All right. Well, it's been about five years since my high school, my high school, my head high school football coach went to be with the Lord. His name is Coach David Moore. He was a truly godly man, a great leader in the community, and a great example for all the students that, uh, that he led. My junior year in high school, he was the head coach of our rival high school. And my junior in high school, he transferred and became the head coach at our high school, which was absolutely you know, a rivalry. You know, most of the people who were students at the two high schools, you know, had either gone to elementary school together, gone to junior high, and then for whatever crazy reason, they split us up. So literally, my best friend was the quarterback on our rival team. My girlfriend was a cheerleader on our rival team. And so when he made the decision to leave that high school and go to this high school, it was a big deal in the city. He took a lot of heat, a lot of persecution. I'm sure it was tough on him. I remember in my senior year, the last, the very last game that we played, it was against, yes, our rivals. And um, for 12 months, all my rival school and those players had circled this date, and they were out for revenge. You could just imagine. Now, I know there was a lot of pressure on our coach, but we felt confident that things were going to go fine. We felt confident that we could win. And so that Friday night, we all came together, and it was a huge crowd. It was a big, big game. Um, Man, everybody was there. They're wanting to see what's going on with these two, looks like evenly matched teams on paper. The winner of that game would end up going to the playoffs. They would uh, be the runner-up because you only had two that would go from each district at that time. And uh, the loser would go home and would go home big time, all right? So I don't know if you've ever been a part of something, a game, or if you've watched it to where your favorite team, you know they're probably as good as the other team, or you think that they might be, but everything that could go wrong went wrong. You ever been a part of something like that? Well, that was, this was a very inopportune time for that to happen, but it happened, okay? I mean, we had our quarterback lays it in our wide receiver's hands across the middle, and it just tips up, lands, lands in a, de- de- receiver, a defensive back's hands, goes for six, picks six. Punts blocked, run for touchdowns. I mean, we couldn't block, we couldn't tackle, we couldn't run, we couldn't pass, we had turnovers. I mean, in every facet of the game, we got beat. Even our water boy got beat by their water boy. I'm telling you, it was bad, bad, bad. At the end of the night, we had lost the game. And the score was 49 to nothing. I appreciate the empathy. I don't appreciate the laugh, all right? They later called us the 49ers. That's not funny. That's painful, man. What you talking? I was the captain of the football team and... And uh, I felt responsible. I mean, nobody had a good game. I didn't feel like I did my part as well. I felt terrible for our coach. And I went to the bus and going home. And before we, the bus driver came back on, I was talking to the coach. And I just, 
man, I just was a broken young man. I said, Coach, I'm so sorry. So sorry. I wish I would have done my part in a greater way. And this is what he said. He said, Steve, uh uh uh, don't you worry about this. He goes, I'm just grateful to have had the opportunity to coach a fine young man like you. At the field house later, he talked to the entire team and he stood up and he, and he apologized to us and he says, this is on me. I did not have you prepared. Then he looked, he looked at the seniors and he said this. He said, always be grateful that you had the privilege of playing high school football. He went on to say, be grateful for a night, even like tonight, that could help build character in you and your life for the rest of your life. Powerful words at a powerful time. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. Now, it's important to know that that scripture does not say for everything give thanks. It says in everything give thanks. I can tell you and I can promise you that night there was not one thing that I was grateful for. Not one. I, if you would have said is there one good thing going on in your life, the answer is no. It was the worst night of my life. But it's interesting to know a coach that had all this pressure on him so many people looking at him for his team to perform, and he was able to be seasoned enough, a strong enough Christian, to be able to say, you know what, I'm not thankful for all things, but I'm thankful in all things. I just sense even before we go, before we start this morning, I think there's some people that are watching us, that are listening right now, that you've experienced a big loss in your life. Maybe way more important than some high school football game. Maybe you've experienced a loss in your marriage. A loss in a relationship. A loss of a loved one. A loss of a job. Whatever that big loss is to you. I want to tell you today that there's life after your loss. There is life after your loss. God has plans for you. He can use this. He, he can use what the enemy meant for evil, and he will use it for good. Just know when you receive that there is life after your loss. Today I want to talk to you about the subject of having a thankful heart, that the, there's power in a grateful heart. There's power, the power of a thankful heart. There, in the English language, I believe that there are two words that very well could be the most powerful words in all of our language, and that those words are thank you. Thank you. Mel Melody Beatty said this. She's an American author, and it's interesting because she, she was abandoned as a child. She was abducted as a child. She was sexually abused as a child. She later on went to, to be addicted to drugs and alcohol. She lost her marriage. She lost one of her, her children. She had a tough life, and this is what she penned. Gratitude makes sense of our past. Gratitude makes sense of our past. It brings peace for today, and it creates a vision for tomorrow. You see, grateful people can always find a blessing in almost every circumstance. 
every situation. You know, grateful people are attractive people. Don't I look cute? <laughs> grateful people are attractive people. Grateful people also attract people. Grateful people influence people. Having an attitude of gratitude elevates people. You know, when we give thanks, what we're doing is we're giving honor. We're giving honor to God. It's a way of us keeping ourselves off of the throne of life and keeping God on our, the throne of life. You know, when, when, when we have a thankful heart, it breaks the power of offense in our life. It's really hard for us to be offended when we have a grateful heart. And so that offense comes to us and we, oh, Lord, I forgive them. Bless them. Thank you for them. Thank you for them. It's really hard. It's impossible. It, it is to, to, to have a grateful heart and to walk in offense, a grateful heart and to complain, to have a grateful heart and to be negative. It just can't happen. You know, when you're thankful and really thankful, you won't have unforgiveness. When you're thankful, really thankful, you won't be depressed. Okay, when you're thankful, really thankful, I'm telling you right now, you won't walk in shame and guilt and condemnation. Psalm chapter 107 verse 1 says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. You know, personally, I believe I have a master's degree, okay? I have a master's degree in protecting my mind from negative thoughts, from jealousy, from insecurity, from comparison, from, from, from shame, from hatred, from anger. Here's the deal. I have chosen not to allow any of those things in my space. It just doesn't happen. I don't allow it to happen. You know, I just don't allow... Uh, I, here, here's the deal. I understand that I am the only steward of my mind. No one else is in charge of my thinking. I know you say, well, maybe God's in charge of my thinking. No, he tells us that we're in charge. Let me just say this. Your husband's not in charge of your thinking. Your wife isn't in charge of what goes on in your mind. You know, your, your mama is not in charge. Your daddy, your mammy, and your grandpappy, nobody is in charge of your thinking except you. You are in charge. You're responsible. The Bible says that we're to take all of our thoughts captive. I appreciate Lisa so much. I love her, but she can't take my thoughts captive. I am the only one that can take my thoughts captive. God's given it to me. Listen to this. A thankful attitude is the greatest way to eliminate negative think thinking. A thankful attitude is the greatest way to eliminate negative thinking. If you're tired of the negativity, if you're tired of the junk in your mind, the greatest way to get rid of that is to be thankful, to have a gra an attitude of gratitude. Be grateful for all that God's done for you and through you. You know, I believe there's power in a thankful heart. I do. I believe there's power. I want you to grab a hold of it today. I believe it can bring forth change and revolutionize your life. You know, when we have a thankful heart, it does revolutionize our thinking. When we have a thankful heart, there's something in our mind that shifts the way we think. There's just something. There's an attitude adjustment that happens. It is impossible for us to be grateful, impossible for us to be thankful that our attitude does not shift more toward the things of the Lord. 
What I want to do very quickly this morning is I want to highlight three biblical stories dealing with gratitude or thankfulness, all right? And then when we finish that, we're going to touch on them very quickly. And we, when we finish that, I'm going to share with you five PowerPoints of gratitude that I walk in every day. And I want you to know, if you apply these PowerPoints of gratitude in your life, I promise you there will be life change and you will be on the road for breakthrough in situations and circumstances that you're in right now. First of all, the 10 lepers. Do you remember the 10 lepers? Yeah, 10 lepers. They came to Jesus and they stood from afar because they had leprosy. And they stood from afar and they screamed, Have mercy on us, Lord! Jesus said, All right, go on, go show yourself to the priest. Ten of them began to walk, and as they walked, they began to get healed. And they were healed. Nine continued to go somewhere else, but one came back. Luke chapter 17, verses 15 through 18. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God! Could you imagine You're eaten up by leprosy, and then you take a couple of steps, you get healed. You know it was the word of Jesus. Could you imagine? I mean, of course you're going to say, praise God. He fell on the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for all that he had done. But this man was a Samaritan. He was an outsider. He was unclean. And Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Now, you see in this passage that this man was healed and he went back and he thanked God for what God did in his life. Now, most people don't, although God has blessed us in so many ways. Most people are the nine. 90% don't. 10% did. I want to be a part of the 10% to know as God has blessed me, as He has led me, as He has helped me, as He's healed me, as He's saved me, as He's protected me, I want to be the one that says thank you. Thank you. And so we see this man thank the Lord after he received his miracle. Number two, Paul and Silas. You remember Paul and Silas? They were apostles of the Lord. In the early church in Acts chapter 16, verses 22 through 26. Follow with me, please. A great crowd gathered, and all the people joined in to come against them. The Roman officials ordered that Paul and Silas be stripped of their garments. That's punishment enough for me. Be stripped of the garments. Stripped them of their garments and then began to beat them with rods on their bare backs. Verse 23 After they were severely beaten, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them securely. So the jailer placed them in the innermost cell of the prison and had their feet bound and chained. Paul and Silas, undaunted. I love that. I don't know if I'm there. I'm naked, I'm beaten. I'm battered, I'm falsely accused, and I'm thrown in jail. And they says, the scripture says they were undaunted. And they prayed in the middle of the night and they sang songs of praise to God. 
I could just imagine they'd only, obviously, Jesus had just died, rose from the dead, and ascended. Their lives had been totally changed. They'd been saved by the power of the blood of Jesus. It was all fresh and new to them. And I could just imagine they were like, yeah, this, this, this kind of stinks right here where we are. But oh my goodness, what Jesus has done for us. Oh my goodness, I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, we worship you. We praise you. I can see this is what they were doing. And it was strange to the prisoners. It was foreign to them. And all the prisoners, they were listening to them worship. Suddenly, a great earthquake shook the foundations of, all, of the prison. All at once, every prison door flung open, and the chains of all the prisoners came loose. Now, in the ten lepers, we see the one came back and thanked the Lord because God had done something great for him. Now, Paul and Silas are thanking the Lord smack dab in the middle of what's going on. I don't know about you, but sometimes when we're we're just in the middle of it, we're going through it. It is hard. It's heavy. It's, man, we've been betrayed. We've been hurt. We've been left. We have lack. And we just are confused. And we've got nothing to do except we can thank Him. That is what Paul and Silas did. They thanked Him. I remember as my kids were a little bit younger and they were in our our home, uh, in a two-year span of time, we had two water leaks at our house. If any of you have ever had a water leak, you'll understand it is a pain, all right? Because first of all, everything that the water touches, it damages. You've got to pull it out and get rid of it. And then you deal with the insurance company and the insurance company. I know, God bless insurance people, but, but it, they, they don't want to pay. You've got to take, you, it's the whole, it's a hassle. Then you get the construction going and then you got workers in your house for another, you know, six months doing whatever it is. And it's a pain. We had two of those in two years. Now, I would say, granted, that even though we did have those, each time the insurance gave us plenty of money to be able to upgrade. And so Lisa loved those upgrades of the house, you know. And so she definitely looked at that as a positive thing. And uh, I was done. I was done upgrading. I was done with water. And I remember a few months later, after we had been settled and everything, my youngest daughter, Sarah, comes back in the back. Daddy, are we supposed to have water on the floor in the, in the, in the living room? I'm like, What? And I go in there, and it was like a creek coming in through. It water everywhere. My hot water heater was just going over all in. And I'm like, I cannot tell you. I knew what the first time. I knew what it was like the second time. And I knew what it was going to be like the third time. And I was furious. You did not want to see Pastor Steve that day. I was so upset. I was about, I mean, just about to pop. Okay. I mean, it, I was going to lose it. And, and Lisa saw that. She says, Hey kids, let's go on in the other room. And, and, you know, like a good mama does to protect her kids. And then she, you know, comes back in. It's going to be okay. And I, I mean, I am red faced and everything. I did not know what to do. I was just infuriated and disgusted. And I was like, and so all I knew to do, I have no idea why I did it, but I just Lisa's right next to me. I just, and I spit on the floor. Lisa said, 
did you just spit on the floor? And I'm like, yes, I did. And you better be glad that I ain't cussing right now. I was so mad. About 30 seconds later, I hear Lisa kind of separates. And I hear her. And, I'm, and I listen. What is she saying? Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for my new granite countertops. Thank you, Lord, for my new hardwood floors, hand-scraped floors. I mean, she started claiming it right at, Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, that I'm having those granite countertops. I'm having that new floor. I mean, she was just taking the opportunity, and she was not going to miss out on her blessing. I just want you to know, I wasn't thanking God for anything, and at the time, I wouldn't even thank God for my wife. I'll tell you that right now. Yes, it took about a year dealing with the insurance, with the construction, with all the house and all that. But Lisa got her hand scraped, hardwood floors, and her granite countertop because she was believing. She was choosing to be thankful in the midst of If it had anything to do with me, we would have lost our entire house. Okay, that's what my attitude was like. It was not good at all. Thirdly, King Jehoshaphat. So it's important to see the lepers. That the leper, he came back after, okay, he was healed, after he was delivered, okay? Paul and Silas, we see in the midst of what they were going through, they were thankful and they were praising God. And we see here with King Jehoshaphat, you're going to see that they were literally thanking God in advance of the breakthrough, in advance of the deliverance. They were surrounded. Judah was surrounded on all sides. They had multiple enemies that were surrounded them. There was imminent doom. There was was no way out. It was done. They fasted. They prayed. They got a word from the Lord. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, Jehoshaphat appointed, it says, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise Him for the splendor of His holiness, That's good. Let's praise the Lord. Okay, let's put them on the side. No, put them in the head of the army. And so so you've got these singers, these worshipers, according to what God said, put your worshipers out front. And so they put them out front. But as they were going to battle and the point I want you to see is what were they singing? What were they saying? What were they praising God for? And they were saying, give thanks to the Lord. For his love endures forever. They're getting ready to get slaughtered. Anybody would look with the naked eye and would say, it's over. It's done. Your history. But there are, there's a nation of people that got a word from the Lord. And they stood and they said, oh, no, no. That's not going to happen because God gave us a word. He said he's going to fight the battle. So we're thanking him in advance for the breakthrough. And so there are times that what we have to do is we thank God in advance for the breakthrough. We've got stuff on the horizon. We've been given a bad report. There's a relationship that that broke. There was a, a loss in our lives. And we have to look at it and go, Lord, I know you want. It's your will for this to happen. Thus, what we need to do is we need to begin to thank him in advance for the breakthrough. Five PowerPoints of gratitude, and we'll be done. Five PowerPoints of gratitude. First of all, giving thanks ushers us into the presence of God. I want you to incorporate these in your life. I want you to write them down. When we thank God, okay, it ushers the presence of God in our life. The temple in the Old Testament is where the presence of God was, and it says that 
that uh, we enter in, in Psalm 100, we enter his gates with thanksgiving. How do we come into his presence? With thanksgiving. Psalm 95, 2 says, let us come before who? His presence. How? Through thanksgiving. And so when we thank him, okay, when we thank him, we invoke the presence of God in our life. Secondly, giving thanks provides breakthrough. It provides breakthrough. You know, so, so we see that thanksgiving ushers his presence into our life. And when we have the presence of God, we have his power. When we have the power of God, he is a master at breakthrough. And so you need to write these initials down. T-P-P. All right. Thanks. All right. Leads to presence, which leads to power. And when you've got thanksgiving and you've got his presence, you've got his power, and now you have an equation or a recipe for breakthrough in your life, all right? And it all starts with thanking God. Thirdly, those who complain, they remain. Those who complain, they remain. Uh, there's usually no breakthrough for complainers. I'm just telling you, just in the history that I have had and the experience I've had in ministry, most of the time, the complainers don't get breakthrough. God honors faith. God honors gratitude. God honors people who believe in advance for the breakthrough. You know, but what happens when we complain, it literally gives the devil room in our lives. The word complain means to stay overnight. My question to you is, if you don't like where you are right now, okay, do you want to stay overnight where you are? If you do, just complain. Because that's what it means, because those who complain remain. The Israelites, when they, when they had the deliverance from Egypt, and it was so excited, they exited, and they're all going. And man, they had about an 11-day journey to the promised land. But as we know, they roamed in the wilderness for 40 years. The Bible tells us specifically why that was. It wasn't because they couldn't make it there. It was because God wouldn't let them there because they complained, they grumbled, and they disputed. See, those who complain remain. Philippians 2.14, do everything without complaining and arguing. Number four, focus on what you have, not what you don't have. Oh, my goodness. They have that car, and I don't have that car. They get to go on vacations. I don't get the... Stop it. Just focus on what you have and be thankful. Bless other people. Praise God that they have that. Lord, thank you. Thank you that they can do that. That's your, Lord, I'm grateful for what I have here, what you've blessed me with. You know, <clears throat> Lisa is more of an emotional, verbal processor, okay? And I'm not. And so, and uh, with Lisa's sensitive nature, she loves the Lord. She feels for everybody and everything, and she wants to communicate with that. So there'll be times where she'll ask me questions like, you know, you know, what do you think about this? What are you thinking about this? Or, you know, or why do you, how do you feel about that? Or, you know, what do you, what do you, how do you, you know, what happened? And, and wants to evaluate what happened. And I look at her and go, well, I don't. And she goes, what do you mean I don't? You don't. I'm like, I don't think about it. And I feel a little ungodly because she's feeling it and praying. And I'm like, mm. she goes, well, why not? I'm like, because it makes me feel bad. I feel bad. She goes, well, it makes me feel bad too. And I'm like, well, then why are you thinking about it? You know? 
the Enneagram 7, not that I even know how to say the name, okay? Enneagram, Enneagram, whatever. But someone said that I was a 7, and they told me that it had to do with avoiding pain. And my question is, if it's painful and it makes you feel bad, shouldn't we all be number 7s? I mean, it's just normal. The Scripture says that we can take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You can take all your thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. Don't allow the enemy to come with stinking thinking and take over your mind, over your thoughts, because your life is led by your thoughts and by your words. Romans chapter 12, 2, it says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed by this world. Be transformed by the word. Be transformed by your mouth. Be transformed by your attitude. Be transformed by, tra- transformed by your gratitude. You see, if you transform your mind, God will transform your life. He will. When I was in fourth grade, we, my whole family moved to a state, a strange state. They call it Louisiana. And so... My dad was the CEO of the hospital there. In his first year there, he had a task, and he had to deal with uh, some very powerful people in the hospital that were doing some unethical things that were lying in their pockets, and he had to stop it. Over the years, he was hugely successful in, in, in in the hospital. Also, my family, uh, mom and dad, were leaders in the largest Protestant church in the city, and My four sisters and I were locked and loaded, school activities, community activities. And 13 years later, 13 years later, I got a call from my dad when I was in college. He says, I just want you to know that yesterday I resigned from the hospital. And he told me, he said, the reason I resigned is because some of the people that he, I didn't even know any of this stuff, and he was telling me about it, that there was a power struggle. Some of the people that I had to stop when I first got there, they finally got you know, half of the board to go with them. And so seven people voted against him. Seven people voted for him. And he was the, the deciding vote. And he said, if I don't have more than half of you with me, I think I need to resign. So he resigned. And, um, and I was mad. I'm like, my parents are going to have to move. They're going to have to leave their home. They're going to have to leave all their church, all their family, all their friends, all this stuff. And I was so mad. And I was just letting them have it. And he said, Stevie, you need to stop right there. Oh, no, we're not going to complain. We're not. No, God has blessed us. God has blessed us. He's blessed us with this job that I had. He's blessed us in the home that we've been. He's blessed us in this city. We thank God for what he's done. I want, he says, I want you to thank God with me. And he says, I will thank God in advance because he's got great plans for us. Just a couple of months later, he'd had a year-long severance okay, package. But in a couple of months, he got a new job, a new job making more than he was making before. And they moved him to Dallas-Fort Worth. And listen to me, listen to me. Moved him to Dallas-Fort Worth. He had no idea at the time that all five of his children, all 16 of his grandchildren, and his only great-grandson would be right here in Dallas-Fort Worth with him. Because a man was willing to thank 
the Lord in the midst of what he was going on. God's got great plans for you. Can we just thank him today? Thanks for listening to the Church 1132 broadcast. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com.